Let's go to John chapter 12. We talked about verses 37 through 42, uh, 43, about how God hardened hearts because they had gone too far. You can go too far uh, to where God just quits pursuing you. Again, as soon as I say that, there are always people in the room that think, oh no, have I gone too far? No. How do I know that? Because you're here. You haven't run from God. You are still at least listening enough to have heard what I just said. That means God's not done with you. The Spirit is still chasing you. And I love the term chasing you. Uh, this is not irreverent by any stretch. There was an English poet, I believe it was Alexander Pope, who referred to the Holy Spirit as the hound of heaven because God sent the Holy Spirit out to get his people, to gather his people. They, when you will not come, um, there comes a time where God says, you've chosen a different family. And that's basically what he's saying in 42 and 43 of John 12. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. I don't want to make this personal since um, my sermon was, was perhaps even too personal. There are times where I'm attacked in print or in social media or the like, and they claim that the reason we use instruments here and the reason we welcome the voice of women here and the reason we love our religious neighbors regardless of the name on the door, they say, you're doing all this because you love the praise of men. Are you kidding me? I got a lot more praise when I was a hardcore right guy. They, they loved me then. Uh, I'm, if I wanted praise, I know how to sing the company song. I know how to toe that line. But they will use this as an attack. Oh, that's what they're just doing. It. In fact, one of my relatives wrote a scathing letter to our shepherds here saying, hiring me, that tells all they need to know about here because you're hiring a, a, a Joel Osteen type. I went, seriously? <laughs> seriously. I've never actually watched one of his sermons. That's, I, I don't, I'm not entertained by such things. I believe I use less hairspray. Um, I, I don't want to knock the guy. I don't know the guy. I'm just trying to say, really, that's what you came up with. This is, um, it's sad. But the fact is, they are attacking me because they love the praise of men. That gets, and there are, there's a group and they monitor this. They monitor what we do. And they're in the state. I'll just put it that way. Their only livelihood is attacking Christians for not being hard right enough. That's all they do. And if you read their social media, under the comments, there'll be tons of comments. And it's people saying, you're right. You just keep on them. Who's looking for the praise here? Most of our social media accounts here at 4th at Avenue we don't even allow comments. We're not looking for praise or attacks. We're just doing what we do. So be careful with this. But the, fact, the very fact that people... <clears throat> sorry, let me back out. 
the very ones who claim you're looking for the praise of people very often are looking for the praise of people. Just be careful. <clears throat> Sorry. Tennessee will kill me, but that's all right. I'll, I'm, I will die near Cammy. That's it. I'll, I'll be fine. Uh, I've had. Oh, I've, I've listened. To, when I was a wee boy, there was a preacher who said, "I hope I, uh, you know, I, I want to spend my life preaching, and I hope I die in a pulpit." And I'm thinking, no. Wouldn't that terrify people? You can trust me. I, I, I'm speaking for Jesus. That that would. I'd be going. Ooh, I'm going to go to a church where God doesn't kill the speaker. Then Jesus cried out, and I love this phrase, he cried out, Jesus got emotional about this. You can get emotional too. I didn't used to get emotional. I was a duck on the bottom as well as the top. Just kind of deal with it. The older I get, though, all of a sudden it's a Budweiser commercial. And did you see the puppy? You know, and it's just... I think, it's, I think that sometimes it is a matter of, of aging, but I think sometimes it's a matter of the more you know people and the more you care about people and you have grandkids all of a sudden and you really like them, all of a sudden this changes. Jesus was emotional, especially as we saw in the book of Mark. Here, he cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. You look at me, you're seeing God. Now, in two chapters, he's going to have to bring this up again because people didn't get that. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Now, I've had people, grown-up people, that can eat with a fork and everything, will say, you know, Jesus never said he was the Messiah. Excuse me? Maybe he didn't phrase it the way you wanted him to, but he said it several times in ways that you just cannot get away. And again, in two more chapters, he'll make it even nailed down even more. He's saying, this is a package deal. Let me talk to you about package deals. I don't do counseling now. I used to do a lot of it, but that's years and years ago. It's a different, different thing I do today than then. But uh, back in the day, people would come in wanting, uh, wanting premarital counseling, and I had the time and the office and the place to do that. Every so often, not often, but every so often, I would have a warning bell go off in my head when I asked, I always ask, how do you get along with each other's parents? And it was usually the guy that would do something like, well, not too good, but that's okay, I'm not marrying them. Buddy, that's a package deal. And right now, you might even be able to look at your intended and agree together that her mother is awful. But one of these days, that's not going to fly because it's her mother, period. And you're going to, and, and some of them would not believe it. Really? Watch who shows up at the wedding, but they're there. <laughs> it's, it's a package deal. And you'll have people say, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. <clears throat> He married her. Don't tell Jesus you don't like his bride. That would not be safe. Just would not be safe. If you were to come up to me and say, Patrick, I really like you, but frankly, I could do without Cammie. Are we going to hang out? I don't think so. One of us might be made into a rug, but we're not going to hang out. Because I just, no, no, you can't do that. 
the church, with all of its problems, with all of its difficulties, he chose her. Kind of like the sermon. Go with Jesus on this one. It's a package deal. And I've had people that say, I love Jesus and his teaching. I just don't believe he was God. Sorry, not an option. C.S. Lewis did the famous trilemma, and it has become very well known that Jesus was either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Those are your three options. And if he was a liar, he was the worst liar ever because he made people die for that lie. If he's a lunatic, he couldn't have come up with the wisdom that he came up with. The only thing that comes out, and by the way, he does this, he unfolds it much more gently and thoroughly, but he comes with, the only thing we can say is he is Lord. Jesus does not give you the option to say he is one of many great spiritual teachers. He doesn't. I remember being in high school. We'd come across to America for a little bit, and um, actually for quite a while, but I was in high school, and a teacher, we had a religious class in high school, comparative religion thing, and he, drove, um, he, he um, drew like a wagon wheel on the, the blackboard with all the spokes going in the center, and he said, all religions are just different roads all going to the same place. Now, later I walked up to him, and I said, how do you know that? And he kind of hemmed and hauled. And I said, let me come out in a different direction. In what other case do all roads go to the same direction? Is there anything in the universe where all roads end up at the same place? And it got very quiet in the room. The doctor doesn't say, you are sick. All medicines will fix this. You want to go to Detroit, all roads will lead there. You want, to, uh, you want to become a doctor. No matter what you major in, you'll become one. No. In everything in life, there are choices and roads that work and roads that don't. The Jesus road is the only one that's going to work. That's why the world doesn't like him. Because he's exclusive. Had Jesus said, come to me via Buddha, come to me via any Hindi god, Kali or uh, any of the others... Uh, come to me uh, regardless, and, and you will, you'll get there. He didn't say that. He said, I am the way. And people are offended by the way. But that's two chapters ahead. He's already spooling up for it, though. Look what he says. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I don't judge that person. I didn't come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. Now, we're going to finish this thought, but think about this. He said, I'm not judging you. You are choosing judgment if you hear me and you disobey. There is a child-raising philosophy called parent effectiveness training. It, it was really big in the late 70s, early 80s, um, it is, you can still buy the material, and it's actually quite effective. It's called PET, Parent Effectiveness Training. And one of the things that it tells you to do is to always allow the consequences if it is not harmful to the child. There are consequences. And if a child, uh, for example, if they ride their trike into the road, you told them not to do that, there are consequences. They may lose the use of the trike for a while. They may have, uh, lose their, their, uh, their game pad or something. Whatever it is, 
you cannot all of a sudden let there be no consequences. You have to keep this. But when they cry and they say, you're mean, say, it wasn't me. You chose this. You had choices. You knew if you went here, this would happen. You chose this. And that's so hard for us when we always want to, uh, and, and don't let a grandparent be in the room. But the fact is still, Jesus is saying, I'm not judging you. You're choosing this. Think of it another way. C.S. Lewis, and I quote him a lot because he has a lot to do with why I'm standing here, said we can't break God's commandments. We disobey them, and that breaks us. Now, you could say that he was playing a semantic game there, and you would have some justification for saying that, but I love that concept. It'll break you if you don't follow the commandments. He goes further, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Could he make it any plainer that he has come from God and is the voice of God and God in flesh? And yet there are still some people who say, but he didn't say it the way I wanted him to phrase it. Really? Seriously? I'm sorry, but God's not your puppet. And he will not dance to the strings that you throw at him. He is God. Now, this is an interesting moment. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Stop. The Bible must be read in the vernacular and in the idiosyncrasies of that language. Would Jesus leave the world in this hour? In American English. No. The hour, when they say the hour, it just means this stage of the, the story has now come. Um, while it might be interesting to say the hour of childbirth has come upon you, it's probably not going to be an hour, right? Uh, it's going to be a bit longer than that. But that means now the event has started. Please remember this, because a lot of times in Scripture, we try to make it mean something literally when they were using a different phrase, like world. Paul says the gospel has gone out into the whole world. Do you think the Navajo had it yet? What about Ugandans? I know there was no Uganda. Work with me. It had not left a very small area, but that was the world Paul knew. And so he says to all the world, now, was he wrong? No. They used language in a different way. So just keep that in mind. The hours come from to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Stop for just a moment once again and think of a dog in a barn. How sharp were the disciples at this time? Most of them were still pretty clueless, weren't they? This is not an insult, people. We would have been just as bad or worse. I'm not insulting these gentlemen or the women who followed Jesus and supported him. I'm just saying they didn't get it. Did they still squabble? Did they still have sins? Yes. But he loved them to the end. One of the hardest things to do 
is to convince your adult children that they are still your babies until they have babies. Then they get it. Until then, it's, Dad, you know, I'm a Marine. Quit you know, spit cleaning. My I don't do that. I didn't do that. The, uh, but now that he has, in fact, what really got him, he has a th uh, my son has a three-year-old daughter, and that taught him a lot about mom and dad. What really got him is in the last four months, he's had a son. And it just kind of, oh, that has hit him. My, my daughter has three sons. Uh, we have now a basketball team. We have five. We're told we're done having basketball team. It's all over now. Five is it. We'll see. That's probably right, and that's fine. My point is, they're always our kids. I've had people say to me, I don't know if my child will be saved because now they go to this other church, or now they're struggling with this. And my response is always, as Jesus said, we're not here to judge them. We don't do that. We are not in the judging business. What I will ask you to remember is this. You love your child. And they would say, yes. God loves his children too. They'll say, yes. I'll say, now, who do you think loves more? Well, we don't really, we hate saying it, but we'll say, God, yeah, let's trust him. Let's just trust God with this situation. He knows what is right. We do not. He loved them to the end, even with this coming up. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, under Jesus' power, that he had come from God, and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. The meal was in progress. So let's back up a little bit. In Jesus' day, you ate in a semi-reclining position, normally up on an elbow, or if you're wealthy and had pillows. If you were married to Cammy, the pillows would have been everywhere, multiplying like tribbles in a Star Trek episode of, of your days gone by. Uh, I, every time I want to go to bed, I have to undo a Jenga puzzle of pillows and, and hope I remember where they went because there will be a test. But uh, if you didn't have pillows, you'd be up on your elbow. Now, if you're thinking laying this way around the table, you can't put many around the table. They didn't do that. They laid at an angle, so feet were back. But still, they're already eating. And before you eat, there was a ritual that was done where feet were washed because you've been walking outside, sweaty, in dirt, muck, and the like. I've had people say... Um, you know, if we'd never had cars, air would smell so much sweeter. Nope. You ever been where they don't have cars? Horses. Horses have exhaust. You ever been to Mackinac Island? We used to go there quite a bit. And every so often, the FBI Academy meets up there, and they'll ask me to come up to Mackinac. And we always go, yes, Cammie always says, you're going, because she goes too. We love it. It's eight miles around it, and um, there in the, the Great Lakes, and it doesn't allow any motor vehicles, except there, there is an ambulance there. And so when you go there, you smell two things, or well, three things at once. Horse leavings, um, the, 
what would you call it, the, uh, the type pine sole type stuff they're always trying to clean the streets with, and fudge, because fudge is everywhere. Normally, I'm not interested in the fudge after the two or three breaths, frankly. The, um, and by the way, go to Mackinac. They, I asked about this at a couple of shops. Every one of them offers free. I said, if I took a free sample from every one, how much would I have eaten? And they say, it'd be about a half pound. I said, I will see you in a day and a half. No, I said, but the point is, it stinks. These feet stink. They've been walking in roads like that. They've got to be washed. It was, a, it was the lowest job on a totem pole to wash the feet. They're already eating, and nobody has washed the feet because nobody is going to serve everybody else. Everybody's sitting at the table waiting for somebody to serve them. Jesus has gotten fed up. You might think he got up in a, in a spate of holy sweetness, but he did not. He gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Notice nobody is saying anything. Isn't that interesting? When you read a Jesus story, I've told you this before, Always notice what you don't see and hear. That's very important. It's like Japanese art. Japanese art, the plain space, is as much a part of the art as whatever is drawn. The emptiness and the position and the space is very important. Well, nobody's bringing up that Jesus, who's their rabbi, is washing the feet, and that was never done. I can only see one way this is, that ever occurred, and that is the expression on Jesus' face made it not safe to bring it up. He's angry. I would imagine he even washed the feet with a bit of enthusiasm. And if you're saying, oh, that's not Jesus, you really need to read Mark again. Because he gets angry, frustrated, upset. He, he had skin on people. He didn't like eating with stinkiness around him and did not like the arrogance of those that refused to serve. Comes to Peter. Peter's the one who has to say something, because Peter always does. He said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, he knew, because he could see the progression. That's what Jesus was doing. He was trying to let Jesus know the absurdity of him washing his disciples' feet. Jesus replied, you don't now realize what I'm doing. Later you'll understand. No, Peter said. It, Peter said no to Jesus more than any other disciple. And yet Jesus picked him, the Holy Spirit picked him to preach the first public sermon. God doesn't mind it if you wrestle with him, because if you wrestle with him, you're still in contact with him. When you quit wrestling and quit caring, that's when it hurts. Remember that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. So Peter, Jesus liked Peter. He goes, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you'll have no part with me. Now, was Jesus doing foot washing as some sort of big metaphor, and this is a, a thing about baptism? No, he's just saying, you don't let me do what I'm going to do. You're not one of mine. Then Lord, he said, not just my feet, but my hand and heads as well. You know, everything I got, just, okay, go for it. When he realized that he had challenged his, his rabbi, he's going, oh, okay, 
I don't understand this, but you just do what you do. Jesus goes, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. The whole body is clean, and you're clean, though not every one of you. Ooh. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not every one was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. I bet it had been real quiet, and nobody had taken a bite for a long time. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Once again, Jesus letting us know. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. We'll come back to this. I've had people say, you know, I've had a good life. If I... If I could live my life all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. We call these people slow learners. Stupid. Now, I love them, but they're stupid. I would change lots. Lots. I told Cammie, one of the first things I'd do is save all the money I wasted on other girls and just wait for you. Um, She said, what other girls? And we changed the subject. um, It's not like there was a line of them, people. Uh, but the point being, I would have changed quite a lot. You look back at your life, at the times you said no to Jesus, at the times you didn't do what Jesus wanted you to do, and I cannot help but think, I would have been different toward my parents. Not just because now I know they changed diapers back in the age before disposable diapers. (sighs) And I know some of you have kids, or you, yourself, say, we like to do it the natural way. Really? Just let them run around then. You know, give them a corner like you do the dog. It, it's awful, those things. We, we don't throw away a lot because Cami is saving the planet. And so everything's recycled. And so every time the, the, the garbage men come by, it's like, this is it? This is all you, and it's just a little thing left there. The recycle guy comes by, he's working a half hour in front of our house, putting everything away. And that, that's fine, because um, she's, she's, she's rooting for you. Anyway, um, Cammie likes to separate stuff, but she saw one of her cans was kind of full, unusually. There's a backstory to that. So we had a little can off the side, and she said, oh, I'll put things there, and she opened it up. This is last, just in the last week. And she found out something. When our kids were down in Thanksgiving, that's where they put the diapers, hadn't been opened since November. That was interesting. We had four people from the Geneva Convention show up saying, that's illegal. It was was awful. And I think of what my parents went through to feed me, to work, to put food in front of me that I would criticize, to have a child be given a place to sleep be given the necessity. We were dirt poor. And I've had, I don't get it when people say, we were poor when I was a kid, but we didn't know it. Seriously? How unobservant can you be? You know, I'm laying there at night looking at the stars, wishing we had a roof. You know, we were poor. And then have that child ask for something you cannot give it. I wish I'd known that. Maybe it's good that I didn't so that I'd learn that with my children. I don't know. 
Jesus is saying, you're going to have to learn to be grateful and be a part of this. You, you can't, I, people, if you're still doing your kids' laundry and they're 20, there's a problem. There's a serious problem. And I've had people go, oh, I just love him. And he, no, that's not love. That's a chain. You've thrown a chain around them. They've got to learn to be an adult. Um, ah, I could get off here, but here's the point. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Even wash the feet of those that will not understand what you're doing and not reciprocate. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Wasn't much of a sermon. I imagine his mood was not good because he knows in just a matter of hours, he's going to be taking beatings, whips, and nails for these guys that won't even wash each other's feet. Have you ever thought how frustrating it is to be God? And yet he loves us. That's why one of my favorite lines in the song, the last song we sung was, my one defense. When I pray to Jesus, I can't say, Jesus, I want you to notice all the work I've done for you. Look at the churches we've grown, the churches we established, the mission work we did, the poor we've... I can't do that because I also look over and see all the dirt I've done. My one defense is, Jesus loves me. Can I come in? The answer is, of course. I may have said this before, but back when Cammie and I got married, that was back in the day where you could actually walk into an airport and walk to where they were going to come off the plane and, and hug him. I hadn't seen my father in years. And my father had flown out to, to do the wedding for us. He'd never met Cammie. Never seen a picture of her, I don't think. He walked off the plane, we're standing there, and he walks right past me and hugs her. And he says, welcome to the family. You're our daughter now. I didn't tell her, run. I just, you know, I, I said, let's assume it's a good thing. Uh, we'll go with it. Why did he love her? He chose to because he loved me. God has chosen to love us. Got a call. Got a call. This is a long time ago. We had just come to America. It had only been about a year or so. And I was doing the counseling thing, and a, guy, and a lady called me, a young lady. I found out later. And she said she was going to commit suicide that night. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I wish you wouldn't do that. I don't know what she was expecting. She went on to tell me about horrible things, and that was it. And I said, how, how long have you been thinking about this? She said, for years. I said, oh, well, that's good, because that means you know how to put it off. So I'd like for you to put that off till tomorrow so we can talk. She's gone, what? She goes, I don't need to live. Nobody loves me. I said, I do. She goes, you don't know me. I said, that's beside the point. But then how can you love me? I chose to. We did this for about an hour on the phone. I don't know what it sounded like to only hear one end of that conversation. By the way, she didn't commit suicide. She did come in to see me the next day. We went through a program of counseling. She eventually went and became a counselor, and now she's a friend of mine on Facebook. I find that wonderful. I don't even mention her name whenever after the first or second counseling session, she was so frustrated at this whole I choose to love you thing she couldn't understand that she attacked my car with her purse. I'd never seen that before. Or since, frankly. I'm standing there. and she, It was a new car. Wasn't a great car, but it was new to me. And she's banging it mad. And I'm thinking, um, okay. 
might, might be an important part of therapy, for all I know. God chose to love us. Wow. Jesus says, you know this, you better do it. I was in a church. I'm sent to places to work with elderships and leadership and the like. This still gets me. Um, they'd had a little fellowship meal. In Churches of Christ, that means you eat when they say fellowship. And then uh, people were dismissed, and they were talking about cleaning up and the like. And I looked around, and I said, yeah, I'm a visitor there. I said, I'll help you. And I looked over at one of the elders there, and I said, grab a broom. And he actually said, elders don't sweep floors. Hmm. Don't say that to me and then ask me to, to work with the eldership. He and I did not get along because I wasn't going to tolerate such a thing. Elders sweep floors. Elders change diapers. Elders wash feet. That's why they're elders. You know, the shepherd's greater than the sheep, but who is, who is serving who out in the field? It is the shepherd serving the sheep. We have to be the kind of people that serve. And I love it. I was standing over here one day, and I said he was eight years old, and I brought it up from the pulpit, and he, said, he told me he was 11. He was very hurt later. Came up to me. This is during the, the, the capital campaign. And he said, I need you to get me an envelope. A kid walks up to senior pastor. I need you to get me an envelope. I went, okay. And I went and got him an envelope. But I love it that he felt he could do this, that it wasn't like, you shall not approach him. I'm, that's cool. Must be doing something right. Because I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. And we're starting to turn now into a different subject. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am who I am. In other words, I don't want you to think this is an accident or it gone wrong. Are you aware there are a large body, there is a large body of Protestants that say the church was a stopgap measure, that Jesus intended to establish his earthly kingdom of heaven, but was not aware that he would be resisted so hard and die. And so when he saw that coming, then he established the church to kind of hold the line until he comes back for Armageddon. Have you heard that? A large portion of Protestants believe this. No. This, he knew what was coming, he understood it. And he said, no, when this happens, don't think it was a mistake, a failure. This is all part of the plan. Moving on. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. It's about loving Jesus, and therefore loving each other. That's why the scripture will go on and on and on. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Our one command, love one another. And it just keeps going on and on, and we miss it. We're looking for the little rules we can do because it's easier following rules than it is to love. Is it not? I mean, which is harder? Be baptized or love your enemy? Which is harder? You better learn, make a bunch of rules about music so we get it right. Or love one another. And love covers a multitude of sins. 
And we can keep going and keep going. The Bible is all about this. Accept Jesus, accept each other, love him, love each other. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. He, see, he sees what's coming. Do not believe this picture we get in our head of Jesus blithely and serenely moving toward the cross, knowing this is what I do, it's a noble thing. He was in skin with nerve systems and brain. It was terrifying. I even heard a preacher once when I was a kid saying he didn't even cry out when they nailed him to the cross. Seriously? Who told you that? We hurt. We cry. It's tough. He says, um, Jesus was troubled. He said, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them he meant. The NIV does a brilliant job with this verse. It misses it sometimes, but man, does it nail it here. At a loss was the best way to freeze. Not know where they were. I, what? Who is it? One of them. They, you know, they're staring at each other. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. I, I love that. Uh, you don't want to go talk to dad, but he'll get one of the other kids to talk to dad. Have you ever been in that situation? Um, who is the disciple that Jesus loved? The standard answer is John. And it's a pretty good answer. John would have been about 17 or 18, if we understand Polycarp, one of his followers, uh, correctly. So he would have been a very young fellow. John certainly was beloved of, of God uh, and beloved of Jesus. However, you might want to look this up online. There are a lot of theologians who believe this was not an apostle. That's why it's called disciple. And it was Luke. And if you go back in and you attach it that way, it makes sense as well. So it's hard to know. If God wanted us to know, I guess he could have just said so. I still think it's John, but the people who say it's Luke have a very good argument. And to be honest and honorable, I have to let you know that. So there you are. Whoever it was... Peter says, can you ask him? Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And he da Vinci coders in the room. Let me just bring up once again. Every painting of the Last Supper has a long-haired individual right beside Jesus. That is not a woman. It is not Mary Magdalene. It is John. Because during the time that those paintings were painted, the, uh, the guys thought people with long hair were very, very attractive. So don't get excited, all right? Uh, I, that kind of thing. I have people going over to Scotland. They say, we want to go to that your Rosalind Chapel and see. Okay, fair enough. It's interesting, but it won't tell you anything. Don't go for conspiracies. The thing which it is, it, it's so much easier to be enthralled by politics and memos and walls and uh, this side and that side. And it's so easy to get into conspiracies and such to distract you from your one job. You've got one job. Love one another. And that's what he's called us to do. So, sit, stay, do whatever you need to do, but love, love one another. Thank you for being here today. Our time is up and you need to scoot. So cheerio, go away. Scatter to the wind.